Thank you, Brother Nathan. As we begin this morning, um, I'm reminded of, I woke up this morning and I, I looked out to the, the south end there of the parking lot where for many years now we've held our Easter sunrise service. And I was reminded of the, the choir singing back here behind me and of many of you that I get to look out on every Sunday and see your faces. And, and right now, it's a little more difficult for me on my end because when I look out, I, I see about five people helping me and uh, helping you lead worship this morning. As we consider how Easter looks so different, I'm wondering in my heart if God is not saying something, if God is not doing something. The very first Easter we're about to read about, Jesus appeared to probably four or five women, maybe a little more, maybe at least at least four or five. And uh, there, the very first time, those two angels there in the tomb, and then with Mary Magdalene, and then later on with two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and then finally at the end of the day, on the very first Easter, Jesus appeared to the eleven in a room, small room, with the door shut and locked. He just stood there, appeared before them. In other words, in the very first Easter, Jesus didn't appear to 500 people, though he would before the 40 days were up. He didn't just appear to 30 or 40 or a small congregation. No, he had his inner circle around him, the people that longed to see him, the people that cried when he died, the people that beat themselves up like Peter when they denied him, people that were broken, that had watched him die. John, from a distance, had watched him be beaten, had watched him be crucified, had watched him die. Mary, his mother, and Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, many people saw him pass away. So you can imagine what a stunned bunch they were when he walked into the room. And his words for them were, why are you so troubled? Why are you anxious? Why are you worried? Why do you fear? Why are you shocked? Why are you surprised? And that's the title of my message this morning. Why are you so troubled? Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Luke 24, verse 1. And we're going to read this story together. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, the women, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day and rise? And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told them these things to the apostles. 
But these words seemed to them like an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and he stooped down, he looked in, and he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went in, went home, marveling at what had happened. And that very day there were two of them going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And then one of them, named Cleopas, answered, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these last days? Here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And yes, besides all of this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They went, They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb, and we found it just as the woman had said, but him we did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ suffer these things and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going a little further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. So he went in, and he stood with them, stayed with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. And As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and they thought they saw a spirit and he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands, he showed them his feet. And while they were still still disbelieving for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and he ate it before them. And he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. 
And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold I am sending the promise of my Father upon you but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What happened to Jesus? The Easter story opens up with several women walking early in the morning to his tomb. They were walking there to apply spices to what they thought would be the dead body of Jesus of Nazareth. They were troubled. They were perplexed. They were in grief. They were missing their master. And then out of nowhere, two men appear in dazzling clothes. They are shining. They are emitting light. They are glowing. John writes in his gospel that Mary Magdalene is weeping. And she spoke with the angels. And they asked her why was she crying and the other ladies as well. And and she thought that someone had stolen Christ's body. And in Luke's account, the angel responds with a question. He says to the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. That was the angel's response. The angels remind the women that when Jesus was with them, he always had told them that the Son of Man would be delivered to evil men, that he would be crucified, and on the third day he would rise again. Luke says that in in that moment, the women did remember that Jesus said that. And in John's account, Mary Magdalene turns around to speak with what she thinks is a gardener, the manager of the cemetery, the keeper of the tombs. And when the man she is speaking to, says her name. She realizes it's Jesus. The women are told to go to tell the disciples that he's been risen from the dead. And that morning that had begun in utter sorrow and despair and fear, all of a sudden turned to joy and amazement and excitement and glory. It ended in praise. Four women running frantically from Christ's tomb to find the eleven disciples and tell them Jesus Christ is alive. Peter and John were the first two they find. Luke says the words just seemed like an idle tale to the disciples. Most of the disciples didn't believe the women. John says that Mary Magdalene told the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Matthew says that just as the women were running to go tell the disciples that Jesus had appeared to them and they bowed and worshipped him. John writes that even before Mary Magdalene had seen Jesus, she had run to find Peter and John because she assumed that someone had stolen the body of Jesus until he told her, Mary. As she turned to what she thought was the gardener and he spoke her name, she knew Jesus Christ was alive. The scripture says that John had reached the tomb first and he believed because he stoops down to go into the tomb and he finds there the grave clothes and separately folded was the face cloth to the side. And he knew that something was amiss with the way these clothes were left. He knew something was off about those grave clothes. Something special had happened and he hadn't quite put it all together. And so before the angels appeared, Jesus showed up to those ladies and Peter and John 
walked back to the disciples, not quite understanding, but knowing something had happened. They were troubled. They were worried. They were shocked. They were amazed. They didn't know what to believe. Luke writes that Peter marveled at these things. A little bit later on in the day, two of them, a man named Cleopas and perhaps Cleopas's wife or maybe another one of the disciples, were walking along the road to Emmaus, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And uh, the scripture says they're about seven miles there away. And along the way, Jesus appears to them. And at first, they didn't know that it was him. So they assume it's just another traveler. And the traveler asks what they're talking about. In Luke's version of the story, Jesus asks, What are you guys conversating about? And Cleopas answers, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened in the last three days? What things, he says, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, a man who was a prophet before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers conspired together and condemned him to death and crucified him. We had hoped he was going to be the one that would redeem all of Israel. And besides all of this, it's the third day since all this has happened, and now the women come to us, amaze us, bewilder us. They say they've seen a vision of angels. They say they've seen Jesus rise from the dead. But we went, and we didn't see him. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Jesus Christ should suffer and die and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus begins to interpret the scripture about himself to these two guys. And these two disciples are amazed. They are they, their hearts are burning within them as he goes over the scripture. And Jesus is traveling with them. And at supper, they say, you know what? Don't let this guy go. We don't know who he is. But let's ask him to have supper with us. So Jesus still, they don't know that it's him, but he still sits down with them. And as they break the bread, remember it was just three or four nights before, where they had the Last Supper. Some of these guys might have been right around that table when he broke the bread, saying, this is my body that's broken for you. They would have been there. And the scripture says, immediately those two disciples' eyes were opened. And they realized who they had been speaking to the whole time was Jesus, the Son of God. And as quickly as they had recognized him, he disappeared. He vanished from their eyes. And they rose so excited they didn't even stay the night. They didn't go to sleep. The Bible says that in that same hour they left that room and they traveled all the way back to Jerusalem. And they got to the disciples and began to tell them what had happened. It's Sunday. The events of the morning and the afternoon have shaken the disciples. They have shaken the women to their core. They don't know what to believe. They've seen angels, they've spoke to Jesus, and then he vanished. They've seen an empty tomb, they've seen grave clothes set aside and 
strangely separated and the face cloth folded up neatly in the corner of the tomb. Mary Magdalene has seen him. Cleopas, possibly Peter. Though no one understands what's going on. These are crazy days. And on top of all that, fear has settled over the disciples. They are hiding in a room with the door locked, discussing if the authorities are looking for them because they know that the body of Jesus cannot be found. The scriptures said of those Roman soldiers that they were knocked unconscious. These Pharisees and Sadducees had been told the body was gone and they had paid the soldiers to tell everyone they came in contact with that the body was stolen. So 11 disciples are bewildered, hiding, sitting in the room with the door locked on the first day of Easter. And I can't help but think that there's a world around us this morning sitting in a room with the door locked, worried about what's going on in our country, in our nation, and in our world. And Jesus looks at his disciples, appears before them in that room, and he says, why are you so troubled? Jesus brings peace. It is in this moment that Jesus appears in the room. Without ever an opening a door, without ever knocking, Jesus just appears. Mark only says that Jesus appeared to the eleven as they're reclining at the table to rebuke them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed that, that the women and Peter and John when they had seen him. Luke and John's account are both more detailed and a bit nicer than Mark's, but Luke and John both write that Jesus appears in that room without ever opening a door and says, Peace be with you to his disciples. Luke says the disciples got real frightened. They thought they were looking at a ghost. John writes that Jesus calms them down by showing them his hands and his side. And then he adds, they were glad when they saw it was the Lord. Folks, when they Thomas put his fingers later on in the nail-scarred hands and in the feet and in the side, and when those disciples saw his scars, they were glad when they saw the troubles that they had in a moment drifted away when he said, look, I have flesh and I have bones. Hand me some broiled fish. I'll eat in front of you. Ghosts don't have bones. Ghosts don't have flesh. And they began to calm down and they began to talk to him. Some of them, can you imagine, probably crying for joy. Their minds open to the scriptures for the very first time about his resurrection from the dead. Their, their minds open to the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms and how Jesus, every step of the way, began to explain to them why all this stuff had to take place. And he told them five things that I, I want to talk about these five things and then apply them to our lives. Number one, he told them that the Messiah had to suffer. The Messiah had to be crucified and on the third day rise from the dead. You know, you're not going to stop the plan of God. When God has a plan, 
He is going to fulfill it. He is going to accomplish it. And this plan of God was for you and was for me and was for all of humanity from the very beginning of time until the end of eternity. This plan of God's Messiah having to suffer, having to be crucified, having to be buried, having to be resurrected, it had to be completed for your salvation and for mine. And you're not going to stop that. Number two, that repentance and forgiveness of sin must be proclaimed to all nations on the basis of His crucifixion and resurrection. You see, there is a reason that all of this stuff had to happen. We must be the ones that proclaim that Jesus Christ's death is for the repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Folks, there is a reason Christ had to die and we are the ones who are supposed to tell the story. He had to die and He had to rise from the dead so that me and you can have forgiveness of sins. That our lives can be changed from the inside out. This isn't just a story for the sake of a story. It's a story to save us. Number three, that it must start in Jerusalem and spread out from there. A few months ago, a little virus in Wuhan, China started there. And now there's only one country in the world, Greenland, where this, this virus is not at. It had to start somewhere. Jesus says that the gospel and the message of the cross and His resurrection starts in Jerusalem. But just like that virus, it has to spread out into the entire world. And Jesus Christ is not coming back until all the world hears that He rose from the dead. Until all the world knows that He is the Son of God. Until all the world sees that it is only salvation through Him and believes in Him. Number four, they are His witnesses. And so the responsibility of evangelism and telling the story falls upon them and it falls upon us. We are His witnesses. Those of you this morning that are watching me and you're saying, Brian, I am saved. I do believe in the power of Jesus Christ. Folks, you have been called by God to be His witnesses. And the responsibility for evangelism and missions falls upon you. It's not just those 11 in that room. You've got to tell people what Jesus has done for you. You have to tell people your testimony, how He saved you, how He bought you, how He loved you, how He changed you. You are His witness. And the responsibility of evangelism falls on everyone that He's ever saved. Number five, they must wait for the promised Holy Spirit. They must be clothed with power from on high before they begin telling the world about Jesus. Every Sunday morning, the, the six of us that are in this room that are helping prepare this for you guys and who are helping to broadcast this across Facebook, we pray before we get started. We know that it is not in our own power or in the power of the flesh that we're going to accomplish anything in this, in this life and in the task of evangelism. We need the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to even preach His Word right, to even worship Him right. And Jesus told His 11 disciples in that room and the ladies that were with Him, He said, guys, gals, you're going to wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. 
we need to have a reliance upon the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's why it's important that Easter and every day after, we wake up in the mornings and we say, this is the day the Lord has made. We spend time with Jesus. Folks, if this, if this whole thing, this pandemic and everything happened for one other reason, for one reason alone, my, my guess would be this that Jesus Christ is not so much concerned about corporate worship as He is about inward worship. Jesus Christ is not so much concerned whether or not two or three or four gather together. He wants your family to worship Him. He wants my family to worship Him. He, he wants what we do here on Sunday to be evident in our lives Monday through Saturday. He wants a true and living relationship with you and I. That's what Jesus wants. And if all of these months of at least the last four or five weeks have been for that purpose alone, that your relationship and my relationship might be true to Christ in reality, not some show on Sunday morning, then that would be enough for Jesus to do that in His church, to wake His church up and to breathe new life in her in that way, to give people a true relationship, a private one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus Christ. Churches, we consider how to apply the resurrection of Jesus Christ to our own lives. Let us remember that first of all, it should bring us peace. You may say, Brian, this morning, I don't have peace. My life is far from peaceful. You may say, I've been struggling with worry. I can't sleep at night. I'm hurting on the inside. Physically, this has bothered me. You may say, I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about the people, uh, the, my loved ones that are sick. I'm worried about all kinds of things. Can I tell you the first thing that a relationship with Jesus Christ should do? It should bring you peace. That you should be able to, in the middle of the night, go, Lord, my mind is spinning. I'm worried. Will you help me? And pray to Him and ask Him to calm you to soothe you, to speak peace to you. You may say, Lord, I'm worried about my job. You should be able to take that worry to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I need you to help me, provide for me. You're, you said, your scripture says, you're a father who gives his son good things. Provide for me, dear Lord. You may have an inward struggle. Sin and the havoc of sin may have reaped in your spirit destruction. You may feel gutted from the inside out. Can I tell you right now? The peace that Jesus offers is in your forgiveness of your sins. If you will but come clean to Him and pour out your heart to Him, you can have peace, real peace. Jesus says, why are you so troubled this morning? Why are you so fearful? Why are you hurting? I have come to give you peace. Jesus wants you to have peace. Jesus has secured the victory for you. He has defeated death and hell. It behooves us then to repent of our sin and to place our faith in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sin is granted to the repentant who call upon His name. You have only to call. And He answers, by His stripes we are healed. Next, Christ's word shows us that it can never be in our own power and strength that we will accomplish the task of evangelism. We need the power of the Holy Spirit 
flowing through us, inside of us, indwelling us. And as we yield to the Holy Spirit, and as we walk in right relationship to Jesus, we find in obedience to Him the help we find from our Comforter. We find the power we need to evangelize. We find the boldness we need to preach and to teach and to talk to others about Him. We even find the right words that come from the Holy Spirit and He draws and calls us to remember the Scriptures. You see, folks, we need as a church a reliance upon God's Spirit. That's where the power comes from to do anything spiritual. It comes from our relationship with the Comforter. We are Christ's witnesses. And those of us who have been saved and born again, the responsibility falls upon us to share His message with the lost world. It's a message of peace. We live in the age of war and rumors of war. But this whole pandemic has stopped a lot of the wars. People are worried about survival. And our message is a message of peace. Jesus said that forgiveness of sins and repentance should be preached to all the world. And that means that across the street and across the globe, the church must proclaim and you and I must proclaim what Jesus has done, how he is the only hope, how he is the only peace, how he is the only salvation for mankind. It is on the basis of Christ's resurrection from the dead that we stand our ground. He is alive. He sits at the Father's right hand. He is coming again on the clouds of heaven. Jesus brings peace to every storm that there will ever be. And even if we die, we die in the Lord. And therefore, we live forever and ever and ever. I love the, the children's story that Leanne told this morning. And I imagine that flame as it went down and the embers rose up what it will be like one day for you and I as we go to be with our Lord when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise and He calls us by name, every one of us whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, and He calls us and the roll call of heaven sounds and you and I, our dead bodies, rise from the ground to be clothed with a heavenly body straight toward the sky. Can you imagine to greet the one as we bow at his feet at the Father's right hand and we proclaim that everything under heaven is resting underneath his control, is sitting underneath his feet. Jesus brings peace. Blessings to you, dear believer. Dear Forest Avenue, on this Easter Sunday, when we remember that Jesus has secured our victory, that Jesus has secured our peace, that Jesus has given us the power to evangelize, the power to be His witnesses. He's given us Himself and His precious Holy Spirit because He loves us and died for us and rose for us. May you walk with Jesus all your days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning as a body of believers stretched across the state, stretched across the county, stretched across the nation, and stretched across the world. 
and we realize that we don't have to be troubled anymore, that Jesus has secured the victory. He has the victory over the DNA and the viruses and the, the human body. He has the victory. Jesus has the victory over sin. And everyone who calls upon Him in repentance is forgiven. Jesus has the victory over death. That when we die, it is only the first death. But we will experience a new life forever and ever with You, Lord. And when we die, we go to be with You, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Jesus has the victory over sin, the grave, and yes, God, Jesus has the victory over hell. We don't have to go there. But if we'll trust in you and give our lives to you, we can go to heaven to be with you forever. God, as you ask your disciples, why are you so troubled? You come to me this morning and you come to us and you ask each one of us, why are we so troubled? Why are we so troubled? You have the whole world in your hands. You have us. You love us. You died for us. You have the power to lay your life down and to take it up again. Oh, Heavenly Father. Oh, Jesus, you rose up from the grave. We exalt you and glorify you this morning. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm praying this Easter is a blessed one for you and your family. Uh, contact the church. Message us on Facebook. Call us on my cell or on the church line at 903-892-3506. Tell us about what Jesus has done in your life this week. And we invite you, if you're local, to come out to our drive-in on Wednesday night. Come be with us and worship with us as we worship the Lord, even in social distancing times. And we abide by all the rules that the government gives us. But most importantly, we worship Jesus. He's worthy. Thank you for being with us. Have a great and blessed Easter.